beginning was the Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory full of grace and truth. My king was born king. The Bible says he's a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is a lord of lords. Now that's my king. Well, I wonder if you know him. Do you know him? Don't try to mislead me. Do you know my king? David said the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is the only one whom there's no means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And he's impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. Well, he, he's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the populace. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. 
He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. Yeah. That's my king. My king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mouth. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah. He always has been. And he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. And he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him. And there'll be nobody after him. You can't even teach him. And he's not going to resign. That's my king. Here's the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. All the power belongs to my king. We're around here talking about black power, and white power, and green power. But it's God's power. Thine is the power. Yeah. And the glory. We try to get prestige and honor and glory for ourselves, but... The glory is all his. Yes, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? And ever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all of the forever, then amen. Those were the words of a Baptist preacher named Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. With a name like that, was he ever going to be anything but a preacher? I find it fitting that he was named after two of the three Hebrews who were put in the furnace for refusing to worship King Nebuchadnezzar. And so the king put them in a furnace to, to destroy them. And then the people watching said, hey, you put three people in there, but there's a fourth person in there. And in Daniel it says, who has the look of the son of the gods. That's an appearance of Jesus, what's called a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus in the furnace, 
with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then Daniel 3.27 goes on and says, when they took them out of the furnace, that their clothes weren't burned, they weren't burned. And it even goes so far as to say the smell of fire wasn't even on them. I think that's fitting for a man like Dr. Lockridge to be named after two of those three people because he went through this furnace of a world without the smell of fire getting on him. That full sermon, that's a sermon he preached in Detroit in 1976. That full sermon is over an hour long. I'm just saying. I bet you I've listened to those words hundreds of times and watched that video, and I always feel the same thing. When I get to that end, where I get to that last forever and amen, I just think to myself, I want that. I want that. I want my heart to be so inflamed with the majesty and glory and wonder of who Jesus is that I can speak those words from my heart on a moment's notice. And I know that any words that I'm going to speak now are going to pale in comparison. They're going to be anticlimactic to what you just heard. But I'm willing to stand here and let my words pale in comparison to Dr. Lockridge's for the sake of of us hearing the glory of Jesus in the words of that man who loved him so intensely. And so as we begin this series on the Gospel of John called Simply Jesus, here's my goal. My goal is that we would encounter the Jesus who Dr. Lockridge knew so passionately, who John loved so fiercely, and that we would begin to see that our king is that same king that very same king, that our love for him would become more and more passionate, that we would see the totality of his worth and his majesty, that we'd become a people who can describe the indescribable Jesus in the way that Dr. Lockridge did and be his light, the light of Jesus in the world, shouting with Dr. Lockridge to everyone we encounter, that's my king. That's my king. I want to pray before we go any further. Father, we just ask for one thing today. Inflame our hearts with the fullness of passionate love for our king, Jesus. Captivate our minds with the glory of who he is and fix our eyes on his wonderful face. Amen. As we begin to know that king that Dr. Lockridge spoke of, I believe it begins with understanding what it is that makes him so worthy to be king. If we knew the Jesus we just heard about, none of us would have any issue making him the king of our entire lives. If we knew that Jesus, we would be willing to let him have lordship over every aspect of our being. I don't think we'd have any reservations about that. And so today, I can't show you Jesus the way he just showed you. I can't do it. I wish I could, but I can't. But what I can do, I think, is explain to you and help you understand why he is the only suitable candidate to rule over every facet of your life as king. I'm going to go into John 1. Chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5 and verses 9 through 14 today. And I believe that these verses will introduce us to the Jesus that Dr. Lockridge just spoke of, the one that he knew. And so I want to read these verses in John 1, verses 1 through 5. You can open your Bible there if you'd like. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. I'm going to move down to verse 9. This was the true light that coming into the world enlightens every person. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Everything that you need to know about why Jesus is worthy to be your king is in these verses. Everything you need to know. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Do you see how those words of John take us back to Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And how did he create the heavens and the earth? He spoke. Genesis 1.3 says, Then God said, and we see that phrase over and over in the creation story, Then God said, Jesus is the word of God, with God in the beginning, eternally God and fully God. He is the word of creation. Back to John 1, verse 3. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. Jesus, the word, Jesus, God, Jesus, eternal, is the creative force of all that is. Everything that exists came into being through him. And so what does that mean? It means this. He is intimately familiar with all of us. He is the source of existence of everything. He has the ultimate wisdom of what is, how it all works, and how to redeem and restore it all. We are created beings. We are a part of his creation, of what he has made. Therefore, he has a deep and perfect working knowledge of you and me. He understands it fully. He knows how to heal and restore me in every thought, every habit, every emotion, every desire, every sickness, every failing, and all of my woundedness. Because he created me. The maker always understands how the creation works. There is nothing in me that he doesn't get, and there's nothing in me that he can't fix. No other candidate to be my king can make this claim. I can't even make that claim for myself. I don't know how I operate well enough to anoint myself king over my life. He knows all I need and all I am, far beyond my own knowledge of myself. 
The one who has made everything, including me, including you, is the one who is best suited to rule it all. This makes him uniquely qualified to be my king. Let's look at verse four in John one. In him was life, and life was the light of mankind. Life is in him, and he is life. Now you have to look back at the Greek word here for life that John uses. Because when we go back to Genesis 1 and it talks about life being created, it's the idea of the Greek word bios, where we get our word biology, the study of what is living. The life that was created in Genesis 1 is just that. Things that are living. Living in the biological sense. Being alive through breathing and growing and all that living things do. However, in verse 4 of John 1, the Greek word for life here is the word zoe. That means spiritual life, divine life, the very life of God in us. And so in Genesis 2, 7, we see God as the originator of life. He breathes life into Adam, and he became a living being. Now we have Jesus in John 1, 4, as the originator of spiritual life, of Zoe. Now, I don't know about you, but I want my king to be the source of life so that he can freely give me that life. No king can give you what they don't possess, yet he is life. So Jesus, the king, my king, is capable of giving life, true life, spiritual life, this Greek concept of Zoe, But his nature is that he wants me to not only have his life, but he also wants to share in it with me. He wants me to share in his life as he gives me life. He's the only candidate for king of my life who can actually give me life, this spiritual life, true life. This makes him uniquely qualified to be my king. Look at verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. John's just told us that Jesus is the life, and now he tells us he is the light. The light that shines in the darkness. The darkness of my own ruined and sinful heart. The darkness of my fallen nature. The light that illuminates the darkness so that I can find my way forward my way out of this place of death and destruction. Listen to this in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus, the word of God, who is God and has been with God from the beginning, is a lamp and making my steps sure and illuminating my way so that I can avoid the pitfalls and dangers that can destroy me. The things that will destroy me spiritually in this world. He, as the Word, who is the lamp, is doing this by walking with me in every single step. He's with me, and he's in me, and I am in him in every moment, in every step of my life as I walk through troubles and joys and struggles and triumphs. He is walking with me as the very light, 
that shows me where to place my feet. No other candidate for king of my life is willing to do this. Everything else is fleeting, and it's going to leave me sooner or later. Eventually, I'm going to have to walk on my own if I expect anything other than Jesus to be that life for me. Other people, success, pride, money, every capability that I have will leave me at times or eventually permanently. And then I'm stuck on an unlit path. Jesus the King will always walk with me and light my way. This makes him uniquely qualified to be my king. Good verse 9. This was the true light that coming into the world enlightens every person. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt lost, confused, or stuck in your own life? Do you ever have a sense that you just don't have the right knowledge? You don't have the correct truth? That you just don't know what you should do or how to do it? Well, Jesus is the only king who offers to enlighten us in all things, to show us the way to live well. What better source of enlightenment than the light itself? Light makes everything visible. It illuminates everything that we could ever want to see or know. And it certainly helps us understand how we have to deal with what's in front of us. He is the only king who has all knowledge. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus, as the creator of all things, is the smartest person who's ever lived. He is the wisest person who's ever lived. He has all understanding because he made it all. The one who creates it knows it inside and out. I wonder if that's how he walked on water. Wouldn't it make sense that the one who created water had the ability to turn it solid if he wanted to? To change the molecules of it and tell that very water he created, I'm going to stand on you and you won't let me down. Do you understand what it means to have Jesus enlighten us? It means to tap in to the wisdom that exists before anything exists. It's perfect. No other candidate for king of my life can offer perfect wisdom. No other candidate for king of my life can give me this depth of insight or understanding. And that insight and wisdom and understanding is applicable in every one of my circumstances in all my needs. This makes him uniquely qualified to be my king. Let's look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. As the perfect son of God, who's one with the Father, and he's eternal, and he's with him before anything is created, he has the authority over the Father's house, an authority that he finalized and accomplished through obedience and suffering. He has the authority to make you and I sons and daughters of God, just as he is the son of God himself. He brings us home to the father, and he says, these are my brothers and sisters. And the father looks at him and says, yes. Yes, they are, because you have authority, authority that I've given you, because you've proved yourself worthy. No other king is willing to take you in as an equal to himself. Think about that. 
There is no other king that is willing to take you and say, you are now equal to me. What I rule, you rule. What I own, you own. What I have, you have. This is a king who's willing to not only take you in and make you equal to himself, but he's inviting you into being one with him. No other king is going to provide you with his own inheritance just so he can have you present with him in his kingdom forever. There is no other king that will show up to you and say, all that I have been given is now yours just if you will be with me. Be with him first here and now. He gives us all authority of his kingdom in our lives right now, here, but also for all eternity. This makes him uniquely qualified to be my king. Now, I could go on and on and on, and some of you are probably thinking I already have. Um, but you as an individual sitting here, you need to answer Dr. Lockridge's question. Do you know him? Do you know his king? I love that part in that video where he has talked for so many minutes, and then he goes, I wish I could describe him to you. If we sit here today as people who profess to know Jesus, and we can reach the end of the words that we have access to to describe him, guess what? We don't know him. He's infinite. He's beyond everything. I wish I had the heart that he had towards Jesus so that I could exhaust every word in every language that's ever existed and get to the end of that page and go, but I need more pages. I need more words. This isn't enough. And that's what the desire becomes when we seek him. Having known him, we long to know him more. Having found him, we seek him out more. A.W. Tozer has this great line, and he says, to have, having known you and to want, you know, to want to know you more is the soul's paradox of love. Love, passionate love for Christ will always draw us into a deeper place of longing for him, a desire to know him more fully. Marriage is a place where we learn that. Ladies, if your husband ever says, I know you well enough, I feel for you. Because every woman in this room would tell you, yes, I'm glad we're married and I'm glad we have this life together, but I want the rest of our lives to be about knowing, getting to know, plumbing the depths of who we are as a person. That's what Jesus invites us into. I think that's why Paul used marriage as an example of the relationship between Christ and the church. It's a lifelong process of knowing more. If we're gonna be people who are truly about loving God passionately, then we have to start with the place of the Jesus I know today is not adequate. I need to know more of him. And so by the time I go to bed tomorrow, I want the Jesus I know today to be a memory because I found 
more of him. I found deeper places in him. I discovered more about his magnificence and his glory and his majesty and his desires and his passions and his longings for me. His delight in me and my delight in him has grown in every waking moment. So that I have to tell you, if you ask me today, do you know Jesus? Yes, I do. But ask me tomorrow because I'll know him different. That's what I long for for us. If we're going to be people who are about the purpose of loving God passionately and serving our neighbors generously and growing in Christ intentionally, we have to press deeper into knowing Jesus. The Jesus we already know, yes. Knowing that the Jesus I will know is greater than the one I know today. And with the desire to have our hearts become inflamed with a passionate love for him so that we can say in thought, in desire, in action, in words, that's my king. That's my king. Knowing that tomorrow, I gotta say it again. And when I say it again, it means something different. I want to invite you into two things before I pray. The first thing is this. I want you to commit to read the Gospel of John as we go through this series. Looking at Jesus through the eyes of John. Don't read it to say, I got to find out answers to life's questions because he is the answer. Don't read it to say, I got to figure out how to respond in this relationship because he is the response. Simply read it to say, I want to see the Jesus that John saw, that Dr. Lockridge talked about. And here's the second thing. At the conclusion of this service, we're going to sing one more song, and I want you to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit as we sing this song. I want you to ask him to lead you into a deeper and more passionate love for Jesus. And at the end of the service, we'll have prayer partners down here. And I want to invite you to come to one of them. To come to them and say, just pray for me and with me that the flame of love that is in my heart for Jesus will be fanned into a roaring blaze. And that I walk out of this room and the only thing people hear from me this week, the only thing they see in my lives is my King. Let me pray. Father, we're so grateful. We're grateful that you've given us men like Dr. Lockridge who get it so deeply and share it with us. And now, Father, I ask that we become those people. We become those people who get it so deeply and we share it with others. Those in our closest circles, those that we work with, those that we encounter in our community at the grocery store and in school, at the hockey rink, wherever it may be, God. Let our lives shout, that's my king. And let us humbly and compassionately and lovingly ask, do you know him?